Hey, how we doing? Yes, indeed. Good to see you this weekend, Parkview, and everybody around Orland, everybody online, everybody in New Linux, Homer Glen. Glad you are a part of uh, things that are going on this weekend. It's going to be a great time as we study together. It's already been a great day. Uh, can we thank our worship crews on all of our places, all of our campuses? What a great way to start, you know, after a week that, you know, that can be up and down and all over the place to be able to come in uh, and just spend a little bit of time reorienting and pointing our hearts and our lives, our minds just back towards God and remembering that he's big and he's capable and he's able to take care of whatever we're going through. It's just, it's good to do that as human beings, uh, whether you're young or old. And so thanks to our teams who work so hard at that, the tech crew behind the scenes, just to help us get to that place where hopefully God is easy to hear. That's what we want, right? We want to be able to hear from God easily. And as we step into God's word today, uh, I pray that he will be easy to hear in our lives. And I get to do one of my favorite things uh, as a preacher, as a teacher. And that is I get to just step uh, through the Bible. We're stepping verse by verse right now through the Bible, just looking at different sentences, uh, specifically in the Lord's Prayer And we're applying them to the different parts of our lives, our families, our kids, our careers, things like that. And I just, I love this kind of time where we can just step through pieces of the Bible. So again, the Lord's Prayer is where we've been the last uh, few weeks. Uh, If you've been around here, uh, the Lord's Prayer is found in uh, Luke chapter 11. It's found in Matthew chapter 6. And that's where we've been kind of studying and going back and forth between. So if you haven't been here the last couple weeks, let me give you just a little review and backdrop here. The way we get the Lord's Prayer, which again, many of you are probably familiar with, whether you've been around church a lot of your life or you're just coming back to church, you, you are familiar with the Lord's prayer. Uh, The way we get it is that some of Jesus' best friends, his disciples is a lot of times what we call them, they've been following Jesus around for months and actually years now, several years, and they are watching how Jesus interacts with people and, you know, the kind of just tolerance he has, the patience he has, uh, the generosity he has. They've been watching him heal people and feed people and all kinds of just amazing things. But it appears at this section of the Bible and at this section of their lives that one of the things that captivates Jesus' closest friends the most is Jesus' ability to get away and get with God. In the midst of everything he's doing, that he can get away and get with God is something they are really captivated by. And so let's pick this up in Luke chapter 11. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, it's kind of interesting, again, a bit of review from the last couple weeks, that they would say, teach us to pray, because they've been watching Jesus do all kinds of miraculous things, feeding thousands of people, healing people from the dead, all these kinds of things, walking on water, calming storms. But they don't ask any of those things. Hey, teach us how to calm a storm. If I could calm a storm, I mean, hello. I could probably, you know, get any girl I wanted if I could calm a storm. You know what I'm saying? That's, you know, that's that's not what they're asking. They're saying, hey, we want you to teach us to pray. There was something about, after they had been traveling with Jesus for a certain amount of time, they realized that some of his power, somehow the power in Jesus' life was coming from his connection to God in prayer. 
And so they said, hey, what, what we'd love to know is how you do that. How do you pray like that? How do you tap into that kind of power and discipline, and balance, and wisdom in your life? And so then that's what Jesus shares, the model prayer that so many of us have heard and know. So we'll just step into that today as well. And this is in Matthew chapter 6. This then, Jesus responding to them, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now let's pause right there for just uh, a moment. And uh, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, Pastor Tim a few weeks ago has, has gone through some of this and did a fantastic job going through it. And again, many of you have known this, but I want to look at just a couple of things. Uh, first of all, uh, the word Father. This would have been a big deal for these people because Jesus, when he calls God Father, step towards, step into prayer. Your orientation towards God when speaking to him should be like a father, should be like a dad. This was new. Nobody was saying this kind of thing because God was usually removed and far off. But, God, but Jesus is making him more intimate like a father and like a dad. And maybe even for some of you, this has been a little bit difficult to rectify. You've, again, grown up with this prayer, but you've always had a hard time stepping into this prayer in your life. And it relates largely to your relationship with your dad on this earth. If you had a great relationship with your father here on this earth, then you probably have no problem stepping into this prayer. It doesn't trip you up at all. Our father in heaven, hallowed. And you're just like, man, this is great. It's just like my dad on earth. No problem. But... If for many of you, you had a strained relationship with your dad, or your dad was absent, or your dad was abusive, and then to start out and to pray, our father, you're just like, you know, I just, I, I don't, I'll, I'll need to skip that. I don't know that I can do that part, but it's so big in prayer because it shows our position and our orientation towards God and who he is for us. And so uh, this is an important thing. And if, and if you feel that way about this prayer, then I'd encourage you to go back a couple of weeks ago when Pastor Tim preached on this and listen to the whole you know, 70 or 80 minute message that he did. No, I'm just kidding. It's only like 32 minutes. Um, go back, go back and, and, and listen to, go back and listen to this because it'll really help you come into a greater understanding of that. So our Father. And then the other thing I want us to look at is this word, how. Jesus says, okay, okay, okay. Then, then this is how you should pray. Notice he doesn't say this is what you should pray. Not just what, but how. People in those days, just like us today, were really into reciting the exact same thing in a prayer. This is just what you pray. Just pray this and you'll be fine. Jesus does not say, hey, listen, okay, if you want to pray, here's what you do. You know what happens when I sneak away and I get with God? Here's what I say. This is exactly what I say. Just say this and you'll be all good. Say these things. That is not what he says. He, he does not say this is what to pray. He says this is how you should pray. This, again, is all about your position, your place and God's place, your orientation towards God. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then he goes on to where we'll pick up today. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's all kinds of things I want us to see in just this one sentence today that I think are going to be really meaningful uh, to our lives. We want to talk about the word your. We want to talk about the word kingdom. Uh, we want to talk about the word will. We're, we're going to hit all of those different things uh, today. But let's start with the word kingdom. 
okay? If you're taking notes, if you're writing things in your note, if you have a Bible, if you underline things in your Bible, if you're taking pictures of the screen, whatever it is, the word kingdom is where we're going to start. The word kingdom was a common word in Jesus' day, in the first century. Everybody knew that word. They used that word. That word kingdom for us today would be more like the word uh, administration, okay? So like the Obama administration, the Trump administration, the Biden administration, something like that. Kingdoms in Jesus' day were usually political. They were usually very powerful. They would come and go. One kingdom would come, another kingdom would come, another kingdom would go. And Jesus and his disciples, his close friends, a lot of those friends, some of you know this, they were praying that Jesus would actually bring in a new kingdom, a new administration, right? That, that Jesus would come and somehow politically, powerfully take out the Roman kingdom or the Roman administration that they were living under, all their rules and that sort of thing, and they would bring in Jesus' kingdom, God's kingdom, our Father's kingdom. So a kingdom is simply any place where there is somebody ruling or a king who's at rule, okay? And so what Jesus says is this, hey, 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 listen, when you pray, when you pray, you should pray that God's kingdom would come down here, like, like right here in our week, in our world, this earth, right where you live, just like it is in heaven, so Jesus is saying that, listen, when you pray, it's about prioritizing God's plans and God's purposes in our lives. It's his kingdom. It's that orientation and that place that we are with God. If you want it in just one sentence, if you want to remember this or take a picture of this, maybe this is a good way to say it. God's will should precede our wishes. That's what he's saying, is that God's will for things, his plans for things, should proceed, come in front of ours. Now, I don't know how that hits you. I don't know how that hits you this weekend, and maybe since we're in church, you're like, oh, okay, that's good, you know, I'll write it down. I mean, that, that, you know, I can remember that. But, but inside, it may be like, I don't, I don't know that I like that. That's the way I feel. I mean, I have it in my notes. I'm going to say it multiple times today. But I, I don't like it. It hits me a little off. And, and, and the reason is just to, to be incredibly just like transparent with you. And I don't want to burst like anybody's bubble about who I am or anything like that. But this, this hits me wrong. And here's why. Because I can be pretty self-centered. I can't. I, I'm just telling you. I, I mean, I enjoy serving people. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy doing good things for people. But I'm telling you, uh, part two, I, I have a gift for like making things about me. I do. I can, and, and I don't do it like you don't always see it, and the people who are around me don't always see it. But a lot of times in my mind, whenever I'm in a situation with people or things or dinner or whatever it is, whatever event, in my mind, a lot of times I'm thinking, you know, about my, my feelings or what, you know, is foremost here in this setting or my preferences or, or my plans or my agenda. Are we going to get to do what I want to do tonight? Are we going to get to do what I want to do this weekend? It's my, it's my kingdom. A lot of times I'm just telling you, maybe you can resonate these things are of chief importance to me. But yet in this model prayer that Jesus says, you should, you should have a posture like this. He says, your kingdom, not mine. Your kingdom come and it's your will that should be done on this earth right where I live as it is in heaven. That should be how I pray. In other words, it looks like this. Prayer 
is not about me getting God on board with my kingdom. Prayer is about me getting on board with God's kingdom. There's something that happens in prayer that not so much, maybe you've heard this before, not so much does God change things, but God changes us. And we get on board with who God is. Now, here's the big question for us today. The million dollar question, if you will. How do you do that? I mean, like in reality, like this afternoon, like tomorrow, how do I really know if I'm doing that or if I'm at least stepping towards that? Well, here's what I would say. And what I've learned through the years of trying to do this and also studying and preaching through this. The way to do it is you have to die to it. You have to die to it. In order to really live out the Lord's Prayer, you have to die to it. And what I'm saying is my kingdom, my agenda, my plans have to give way to God's. And that kind of feels like me dying to some of the things in my life so that those things can take priority. Back in 1969, there was a famous book. I don't know that it was famous then, but it's famous now. There was a book by this uh, person, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, and it is called On Death and Dying is the name of the book. And in this book, maybe some of you have had this or walked through this with somebody. In this book, it talks about the different stages that a person who is, has a bad, uh, rough diagnosis or a person who is dying, who is passing away, goes through. There's, there's five different stages she talks about that a person who is dying steps through. And, and the stages that she talks about are these. There's denial, first of all, when you get that diagnosis or you realize that I'm not going to be maybe around here forever. And then there's some anger and frustration. And then there's some bargaining, right, <clears throat> with God. And then there's some depression of realizing this is really going to happen. And then there's acceptance of then how should I live and how should I continue to step into this. And a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times, these are the stages that people who are facing a physical death follow in their lives. And I would submit this to you this weekend. That when you and I not just recite it and say it and move on and then eat... But when we really want to live out the Lord's Prayer, which talks about our purposes and our position according to God, when we really say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I would suggest to you that we go and move through some of the very same stages that a person who is facing a physical death follows. Because we are saying, I'm going to set aside my kingdom, my plans, my will for the sake of the kingdom of God. And so how do you know if you're really living out And getting closer to God's purposes and his will and his plans in your life, you're probably in some of these stages right now. Let's do this. For the next just 15 minutes or so, let's look at these five stages through the lens of your kingdom. Your kingdom come. If that was true in our lives, what would this look like? So the first stage is denial, right? The first stage in Getting through this is denial. Jesus says in his own words in the book of Luke, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I have to deny me and put Jesus in the first place in my life. And again, I mentioned to you just a moment ago that this this is hard for me 
because it means setting aside my plans and my priorities and things like that. And I think it's hard for many of us. The reason I know that is because how oftentimes we recite or pray the Lord's Prayer. We don't always recite it like this, but this is the way it happens in our minds. Here's how we say the Lord's Prayer a lot of times. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Give us today our daily bread. And we just skip the part that we're studying today. So we start out our prayer, whether it's morning, noon, or night, by saying, God, I know you're up there. I've learned that you're holy. You're hallowed. You're you're like a daddy. I've gotten through all that. I accept that. I know you're there. Now, here's what I need. Here's what I want in, in my life. And we completely skip and miss the your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our posture towards God, then give us today our daily bread. And what happens is, I know we've talked through this before, but we treat God sometimes, I do it, we treat God like he is a worker at a fast food restaurant, like a drive through at Chick-fil-A. That's how we treat God in real terms. Now, if, if God's going to work at a restaurant, he's going to work at Chick-fil-A, right? I mean, he just did. So let's not even debate that. You don't even need to put that in your notes. That's like a foregone conclusion. If he's going to work at a place here on earth, it's going to be a Chick-fil-A. And so what happens a lot of times is, again, morning, noon, or night, we get into this prayer with God, and, and we place our order with God, if you will, and we expect to be able to pull around just about two minutes later and pick up exactly what we ordered from God and look in the bag and say, oh, thank you. And then, of course, God says what? My pleasure. <laughs> My pleasure, right? God, thank you so much for getting me that job and multiplying my finances. My pleasure. God, thank you for keeping me healthy when, when everyone else around me is not feeling well at all. My pleasure. God, thank you for smiting my enemies and basically plundering everybody who's against me. My pleasure. And we expect to be able to pull around and pick up exactly what is in our bag, exactly what it is we ordered. And here's what I would say. Here's what this prayer is all about. If you want to really break it down, what if God wants to put something else in your order? What if God wants to put something else in your bag that you did not expect to be in there? You see, God's will should precede our wishes. And if you're having some trouble with that right now in your life and denying yourself, then you know that's not actually a bad thing because you're actually stepping into and wrestling with the position of God in your life. So I'd say that's okay if you're feeling a little bit of that denial. And oftentimes we hate to admit it, but after we get that denial going on in our lives, we move into the next phase. So if you're in this phase right now, again, that's okay. It's the anger and frustration phase. If you feel a little anger and frustration with God, you may not be getting further away from God. You may actually be getting closer to him. Because you're wrestling with his place in your life. The Bible is full of all kinds of servants who got sideways with God over this very issue. My agenda versus your agenda. Moses, if you look in the Old Testament, his his desire and his agenda really wasn't to go free the people in captivity in Egypt, but he did it. Jonah, his, his idea and his desire really wasn't to go to preach and speak and save the people of Nineveh, but he did it. Skip on over to the New Testament where we study a lot of times and you have this guy named Saul who was persecuting Christians and and wanting them all to be put to death and then God gets a hold of him. He changes around his plans. He changes around his purposes. He changes his name to Paul and he gives him a whole new lease and purpose in life. 
whole new set of plans in life. All I'm saying is this. All I'm saying is this. Here's what's true. There will be times, there will be times that your will clashes with God's will. It's just going to happen. And when that happens, there can be some frustration about that. Because you're having to release these things to God. I was talking to a younger person, this is back five, six, seven months ago, something like that. Um, This guy, he's in his early 20s. And we're having this conversation, not exactly about the Lord's Prayer, but just about purpose and kingdom and career and all those kinds of things. And and this guy was saying to me, he said, absolutely, I'm going to do God's, you know, kingdom. I'm going to do God's will in my life. That's like, absolutely. But I'm going to wait till I'm like 35. Right? That's what he's saying. I'm going to wait till like 35, maybe 40. Like, here's my plan. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I've got going now. 35 or 40, it's going to be all about his kingdom and all about his agenda. And it, it's, it's, kind of, it's, it's, it's kind of humorous and it's kind of silly, but I think a lot of times in all of our minds, even today, like as I'm preaching this, some of you are saying, why are you even preaching this? Why? I mean, of course. Of course I'm going to surrender my agenda to God's agenda. I mean, of course, I'm going to you know, surrender my will to God's will. Eventually, I mean, not today. Todd, are you talking about today? Not today, because like I have plan, like today, like this week, I have, I have great plans for me this week, right? And so not right now. So, so what do you do if you're in that phase and you're caught in between, like, your will and God's will. What, what do you do? What does it feel like? Well, maybe the third phase here, and that's the bargaining phase, right? You ever find yourself kind of bargaining with God? Again, you wouldn't do this publicly for sure. I don't do it publicly, but in your mind, you start saying things like this. You start having your prayer time with God, and you start saying things like, God, I promise. Listen, listen, God, <clears throat> I know you're listening. If you will just tell me your will, God, I'm telling you right now, if I'm, I'm promising you, if you will just tell me your will for my life, I give you my word. I'll consider it. <laughs> I so will. I, I will so consider your will. I will put it, I will, I will file your will away with all my other hopes and dreams. I, I will, and I will absolutely consider your will. That's what happens a lot of times in our heart of hearts. And when that happens, I I don't think God, when we pray that way, I don't think God is up in heaven going, oh, my goodness. Everybody gather around. There's another another person down there, right right down there in in Chicagoland, who's willing to consider my will. (laughs) This is so so great. This is so fantastic. Everybody, you know, trumpets and harps and probably stuff like that. I don't think that's the way it happens. What I actually think God is probably speaking into our hearts more often than not, but it gets us kind of frustrated, and the bargaining part is that, hey, listen, I'm not giving you my will for consideration, but for participation. I'm not giving you my will, and I'm not giving you a glimpse into what I have for you and how I've made you and how I've created you and the opportunities and the gifts and the, that you have and the talents just for your consideration, but I'm giving it to you for your participation in my kingdom and my purposes, which is exciting. 
I'm telling you, this whole thing, you know, so far is about surrender and giving up what I want for what he wants and all that. But I'm telling you, listen, there's no greater way to live than for the kingdom and purposes of God. It's exciting. It's adventurous. It is not diminishing who you are. It is elevating who you are. And so to live for God and to participate in his will is great. Many of you know that. It is so great, but I'll also tell you this, before it gets great, it could get even tougher. And it could lead you to that fourth, fourth phase of this today, and that's the depression. That's, that's feeling sad at times. And again, maybe you've been there in your life. Maybe you're there now as God's ideas kind of conquer yours. It's not really what I wanted, but I, it is what God has, and I need to live that out. I'll, I'll tell you this. This is probably another message for another time. I'm, I'm sure it is, but I, I have wrestled with this some, even in the last few years and, and months. And, and what happens when I know I'm in this place, what is usually happening is I'm getting out of place in my position with God. I'm, I'm wanting to be God over everything and trying to control everything and make it what I want rather than praying, seeking, and surrendering to what he wants. I'm trying to play God, and whenever I try and do that, honestly, it's hard. It's sad. <laughs> it's depressing because I can't pull it off <clears throat> the way I want to. And maybe you've been there. It's humbling. It's, it's hard to, put, to give God's plans precedence over yours, but, but I'm telling you, it's, it's a great way to live. Letting God be God, not you or me be God. And when you can get through that surrender and sadness of, okay, then you come to the last and final stage of this, which is acceptance. Ex- accepting that I'm not God, God's God. And he's got good plans and good ideas for my life and for this world. This is where God's will wins out. And it's a good thing. And, and for many of us around all of our campuses this weekend, you probably have, uh, if you've been coming to church and following after Jesus for a while, you probably actually have a place and a time in your life that you could point back to and, and say that this is where I made the decision that I'm going to follow after God's plans and quit trying to control everything and be God in my life. And, and it's going to be a process. I'm not going to do it perfectly every day, but you probably have a place in time you did that. For a lot of you, it's probably around your baptism time. Your baptism is probably that place in your life. This is why baptism is so important for so many of us, is because you're putting a mile marker, a stake in the ground, and saying, look, here's, here's the day, here's the weekend at camp you know, in 1992, or at this church in 2017, or wherever. This is where I decided I was going to start living for Jesus. I was going to decide that, look, I'm going to surrender and, and put to death myself and start to live for him. That's why baptism oftentimes is, is another important part of our life because it gives us something to look back to and realize that's where I started to make this turn towards God's kingdom and not just my own. You know, baptism is, is simply you and I picturing with our lives what Jesus did in his life. Here's Jesus on the cross, right? He's buried in the tomb, and then he rises again to a new life. Here you are in the water, you're 
You're buried in the water. You bury that past. You bury some of those ambitions and those plans that were just self-seeking. And, get, and you're raised up again to a new life. Do you do it perfectly from that day on? No. But you decide, this is going to be my direction. I'm going to begin to live for Jesus and point my life towards Jesus and his kingdom. Not just mine. A couple of weeks from now, we have an opportunity coming up to be baptized. We've had a few of these. We have one coming up just a couple of weeks from now. If you have not done that, if you've not put that stake in the ground and said, look, I can look back on this day and say, I did it. Have I done it perfectly? No. Have I done it pretty good? No. Have I done it poorly? Yeah. But I've made a change. I'm making a change. And by God's power and God's strength, I'm getting better and better every day. And I'm working through these stages, and I'm getting closer and closer to God. <clears throat> Baptism is a way to put that stake in the ground. And I'd encourage you to do that a couple weeks from now. You can sign up online. You can talk to a friend today. You can talk to anybody out in the lobby. The next steps areas, you can, just, you can get with somebody and sign up and be ready to do that. For me, I can remember when I stepped through this, uh, it was at my baptism when I was little, like 10 years old, but also when I was uh, 18 years old, I really wrestled with this teaching from Jesus. I was a freshman in college, and I was here in Chicagoland. Um, I, was, uh, I was at Judson College in Elgin, and I was on a soccer scholarship, and all I'd ever wanted in my life is to be a professional soccer player. And my freshman year, I was starting midfield, and I was feeling really good about it. And then I also started going to church with a friend who lived in Chicagoland. I was from Kansas City. So I started going to church with a friend, and um, the preacher was talking about uh, God's kingdom and God's dreams versus our dreams and how we live that. And I began to realize, even right then, as a young person, that I was really just kind of living for my world, my kingdom. I'd been following Jesus all of my teenage years. And I went to a Denny's restaurant over in Elgin after that church service. And I remember sitting in a booth all by myself. It was long past breakfast, but I had the breakfast. I had a Grand Slam back when you could get a Grand Slam for less than $14, $15. Back when it was like $3, which is what it's supposed to be. <clears throat> How did they do that, by the way? How did they add $10 to that? Anyway. I'm sitting in the back and I'm eating that and it just, I just broke down. And for the rest of that semester, it was rough because I would live for myself during the week and, you know, college age, ambition, all that. And then I would go to church in the series about God's kingdom and that sort of thing. And God's dreams versus our dreams. <clears throat> and I began to realize, you know, like, whose kingdom am I building? Whose kingdom am I going to spend my life building? That's what I kept asking myself. And some of you today, like, that's where you're at. <laughs> If you're really truthful about that, that's what, that's what you're asking, is whose kingdom are you going to spend your life building? And here's what I want you to know, just to, to be clear on this. I chose to, to leave Judson and go to seminary, go to Bible college and be a pastor and build God's kingdom that way. You do not have to be a pastor to build God's kingdom, right? It's not about your occupation. It's about your orientation towards God. We've been talking about this the whole time today. It's about your orientation towards God. You can be a teacher and be all about building God's kingdom. You can be a real estate agent and be all about building God's kingdom. You can be in the tech industry or the fashion industry or whatever you want to be in. You can be an electrician and be all about building, building God's kingdom. It's about your orientation towards God, not your occupation. But whose kingdom are you going to spend your life building? 
my prayer today, as we step into this section of the Lord's Prayer, my prayer is this, is that today would simply be that day where every one of us could just start to pray, listen, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That this would be a weekend where you could really start personalizing that prayer. And that this prayer would be our prayer around here at Parkview. Amen? Let's pray. God, thanks for today, for your graciousness to us in our lives, for your uh, just perfect faithfulness to us in our lives. Thank you so much for Jesus, for giving us this, these words that are so applicable and relevant to our lives today. God, I do pray that wherever we are, whatever stage, if you will, we're in, that we would understand that a little more clearly today and we wouldn't be troubled by it, but that we would realize it's part of surrender. It's part of coming closer to you. And God, whatever stage we're in, help us to decide to take the next step to the next stage. We thank you for your word, your goodness to us. May this prayer be our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone says.